0: Welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Trasida from Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Peter Bagshaw,
1: uh, Somerset GP and Clinical Commissioning Group uh, Mental Health Lead.
0: It's our great pleasure today to talk about empathy and sensitivity, which possibly applies to every human being, but certainly applies to quite a large number. So, Peter. Well,
1: it's a very interesting subject, Andrew. And I, I think should we start off with some some definitions? So, what do you mean by empathy? Um,
0: how is it different from sympathy? Well, thank you for that. Um, empathy is different from sympathy. Coming from the Latin, and I'm um, sorry, coming from the Greek. I apologise. Um, pathos is suffering. M means into and sum means with. So sympathy would be being able to feel sorry for someone, whereas empathy means actually being able to get into their shoes. And I've got a very old dictionary in front of me and it says that empathy is the power of projecting one's personality into and so fully comprehending the object of contemplation so thinking about empathy with another person you would not just be noticing how they were feeling you'd actually be almost feeling how they were feeling so sympathy is is understanding it from outside empathy
1: is entering into that person's view of the world is that, is that really
0: absolutely cool? right and there's different types of, of learners there are visual learners uh and, and of course we all learn in different way in the same in all of these types of ways, there are visual learners, there are auditory learners, uh, and there are kinesthetic learners, and then there are intuitive learners. And it seems that empaths, uh, people with high levels of empathy, have a have a particular skill set of being able to feel what's going on in another person, or, or they can walk into a room and just notice that the emotional tone of the, that room says that it feels uncomfortable. There's been an argument there in the last half hour or something or other. And there are people who've got very highly tuned antennae, almost, as it were, that can um, understand these things. And you mentioned sensitivity, which is obviously linked.
1: Now, um, I, I was taught that sensitivity is another word for neurosis. It's being oversensitive. But, so it does have these negative connotations, doesn't it? But it's obviously an important positive attribute as well. What, how, would
0: you, how would you talk about sensitivity? Thanks, Peter. This, this, this takes us into the use of language, doesn't it? So how a neutral term actually become loaded as a term of not quite abuse, but it becomes, becomes label. But sensitivity is the ability to sense and feel what's going on. And, and that's a skill set. Uh, and we criticize people for being taller than ourselves or shorter than ourselves or, or different gender to ourselves, and, and, and we can criticise people for being oversensitive if we wish to tease them or, 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 or put them down, or if we wish to build them up, we recognise that sensitivity, along with its, en- its uh, fellow empathy, are actually fantastic human skill sets that allow us to be more human, more present, and work better as the social creatures that we are.
1: And coming back to definitions, which it's probably good to get out of the way, I've I've read that there are two main types of empathy, cognitive empathy and affective empathy, and affective spelt with an A in that strange uh, psychological jargon way that we use. Uh, do, you want, do you want to say a bit about the two types, or are we just playing with words?
0: Um, no, we're not playing with words at all. Um, cognition is what's going on in our heads, our thinking, our metaphorical heads. So that's that clever thinking, which which, which we've all got the ability to do with our frontal and prefrontal cortices. And it's, it's amazing how the mind works. Affective is referring to the emotional climate that is underlying the thinking. So that's partly limbic system, but, but metaphorically, it would what it is, what would have been called the heart. And when the heart, when our heart, and I don't mean our physical heart, but when our heart is untroubled, when it is at peace, then our thinking, our cognition sits upon a stable platform and can be highly effective. If the heart is unhappy um, and so the affect our affect is out of sync, it's out of tune, it's out of balance, Uh, it's in discord, and the word dis means negative or not, and the word chord means heart, so there is discord in the heart, Um, then clever thinking still happens, but it can come to some very strange conclusions. Uh, And and just, you know, just to talk about a a tragic circumstance, Um, and I know we've dealt with tragedy in in previous uh, podcasts, but At a time of severe emotional distress, a clever mind can think of logical outcomes which would seem logical and might even seem sensible. But at a time when when that distress has passed, and I'm thinking of suicidal distress, um, of course, we don't think that way in any shape or form. And so I'd better say at this point, if you do find yourselves... In, in any sort of suicidal crisis or any desperation, please remember the Samaritans, 116123. Please remember the um, Somerset uh, Mind Line, uh, 01823. And I think it's 276892, but I haven't got that in front of me, so I apologise if it's not exactly right.
1: And would you say that people who are sensitive um, are more likely to find themselves in that, in that situation? of becoming distressed.
0: Interesting. Now let's talk about it. a bit. So thank you. I'm so glad you've asked that. Um, Sensitivity means that we can notice and appreciate what's going on. And when we're highly empathic as well, or when we're empathic, what happens is that we not only observe, but we end up absorbing as well. And that's where the problem starts. Um, It's great to be able to notice what's going on in the world, what's going on in other people, what their emotions are doing, what's happening in a room. But it doesn't mean we have to absorb it like a sponge or carry it like dirty washing up water and take it home with us because then we not only have to deal with our own personal experiences of the day, but we have to deal with all the other emotions that we've picked up. The positive sides of that sensitivity and empathy are that it's, it's, it's a human attribute that goes with social connection. Uh, and if we are empathic, um, we can read in inverted commas other people. We can relate to them more effectively. We can, um, probably using mirror, mirror neurons and all sorts of things that I don't fully understand in the brain. Um, we are connecting with them at a level that we can both feel, uh, or certainly the empathic person can feel what's going on in the other person. And from that, reading of the situation can help the other person either self-regulate, can help them come to a conclusion, can help support them, or can help just know what's going on so it steers the conversation or it steers the um, the path forwards. Now, the problem comes for highly sensitive people, for empaths, if they keep filling up the bucket not only with their own issues in life but with other people's issues and sooner or later the bucket overflows and that's when we feel overwhelmed and if some of the feelings not necessarily our own that we have absorbed like sponges are really very distressing feelings that of course until we have dealt with them and and process either process them or release them can actually upset our own in equilibrium because we feel them almost as a, as our own does that make sense? It does, and
1: I've read that about one in five of us are this. Come into this highly um, uh, sensitive group, but if, if I get it right, what you're saying is that we need empathy, sensitivity, in order to relate to other people and um, walk in their shoes, but that it also carries a cost uh, of meaning that we also feel their distress. And, and certainly you and I, I'm sure, have, have noticed this in colleagues where um, the doctors who are very empathic and great with patients tend to be the ones who, who burn out early, uh, whereas the ones who, who really aren't taking on board what patients are saying and their distress are the ones who are able to carry on.
0: I think that's a, a generalisation, Peter, and I think there's a lot in that. Um just because you don't take it on board and don't burn out doesn't mean you're not empathic. It means you've got good coping skills and you may have good coping skills and you may just have good ways of functioning. So, um, so this is really getting to the nitty gritty of it for our
1: listeners, isn't it? So we're saying, we're not saying we don't want you to be empathic. We don't want you to be sensitive to other people's needs, but you need to learn coping skills in order to stop those feelings overwhelming you. So how do how do we do this?
0: Well, Absolutely. Empathy that is either misunderstood or not taught fully does leave us vulnerable, a bit like the conscious choice of of going outside in the pouring rain with no umbrella or raincoat and hoping not to get wet. So in a book written by Kyra Message, a very intuitive uh, American psychotherapist, um, called The Strength of Sensitivity, she describes um, empathic people, about 20% of the the population is having some fascinating positive sides. So the positive sides of sensitivity, uh, as opposed to what you were mentioning earlier, the sort of the oversensitivity, touchiness, which is how we might have thought of it, and and that of course feeds into neurosis. Is ten points. Number one, acute sensory processing. Number two, powerful emotions. Number three, effective and more brain activity in response to stimuli. Number four, strong autonomic body responses in gut, heart, and elsewhere. And number five, quick reactions in the nervous system. Uh, and number six, um, empathy, conscientiousness, and compassion. And number seven, creativity and appreciation of art, nature, and beauty. Number eight, perception of environmental and other people's energies. Number nine, intuition with good up- Good gut instincts and ability to read and respond to a situation. And number 10, love of and feeling of connection with nature. And this is where it might be useful, Peter, to remind ourselves of a model of hardware body, blood pipes, blood pumps, pipes, bones and molecules and things and software being because Kyra message would say that em- empathic communication is in the quantum field of soul and can happen instantaneously and sometimes can transcend distance so i don 't know if any any of our listeners have ever had the experience of thinking of somebody and then they phone you or uh, or um, in uh, Thinking of somebody who's many miles away receiving a letter from something, them or them contacting within them a couple of days. This is, this is interesting software connections that are happening. And maybe that's a discussion for another day. And I know you have a, a, a great interest and knowledge about this, Peter. So I think we need to come back to that. Anyway, um, Kyra Message is quite interesting because she was a keen psychotherapist and she actually started to suffer from strange emotional states that such as distress or anxiety or an unexplained dark feeling. And then she noticed that after feeling these states, a client would present with exactly the same feelings, and the penny dropped. She realized that she was unconsciously absorbing other people's emotions, even to distance. So how do we manage that? Um, great skill set to suss out what's going on, great skill set to feel what's, what's happening, but in order to s- help us feel safe and stop absorbing stuff, I suppose there are three or four things that we need to do. Firstly, we need to feel grounded. And the most important ways to feel grounded as human beings um, if you're driving at the moment, um, please don't necessarily do this exercise. Think about it at another time. But you need your feet flat on the floor um, and your spine comfortable, and to change your breathing to a slow, regular, rhythmic, diaphragmatic abdominal breathing that allows the whole system to set down, settle down. This settles the autonomic nervous system. It settles some of the discord that may be there in the heart. And then the thinking can be much clearer. So that's the first thing. Uh, And some people actually use visualizations, such as imagining that they have roots from their seat down into the ground that anchor them and the roots can both anchor them and nourish them. Also take away waste. But the... um, the next thing that it's quite useful for sensitive people to do is to set up a drain. Um, you see, highly sensitive people will, will resonate with the feeling of having a bucket full or a sink full of dirty washing up water in front of them, which is all the emotional stuff that they've absorbed from other people as well as their own. And what's happened is they're carrying this sink around lovingly with the plug still in it, not attached to a drain. So I sometimes invite people to um, visualise a wide board drain going around their body from their waist down into the ground and, and allowing this drain always to go to the nearest energetic compost heap. And I know you, Peter, and, and, and I have both been to medical school and we're of an age. And so this might, might have a little bit of dissonance of, of what we're taught, what we've been taught, and maybe with some of our colleagues who are listening. But I'm appealing to the inner six-year-old. Not not, not to the medically qualified something or other old. We should all um, have an inner six-year-old. Yes. And so one then imagines that this drain, this wonderful drain, always takes away the stuff that we don't need. And then having imagined and constructed this drain, all we need to do is is connect the bottom of the sink with a wide-bore leak-proof pipe to the drain and a nice YouTube to stop any, any smells coming back up uh, and a nice clear YouTube, uh, or S-Bend rather, for, for plumbers. Connect it to uh, to the drain, and then when ready, uh, and again, not if you're driving, so please find yourself a safe space to do this, take the plug out of the sink and just allow all that emotional, dirty washing-up water, all that turmoil that has been absorbed and carried and held around, held for a long time, just to allow it to, to flow away. And disappear down the drains and go to the the nearest energetic compost heap so that it can be sorted out and recycled and so that you and i as empathic people no longer need to carry that and that can allow our minds to clear well i now have a very
1: clear image of that that i'll carry around with me um that's that's brilliant i particularly like the s-bend that stopped the um, smells coming coming back up because uh, I, I guess the way I dealt with this, um, and you know, we're we're both in professions as as a lot of people are, where we see a lot of distress and and difficult things, and it's important to empathise with those people, but we can't let it overwhelm us. And my way of dealing with it, I don't know what you think of this, is is sadly not with a, a wonderful compost bin, but but simply to be mindful um, you know, in the moment. So that while you've got that person with them with you, you're giving them a hundred percent of your attention and absolutely empathizing with them. But then when they leave the door and you've done what you need to do, you move on to something else and you don't keep revisiting. That difficult situation is—is is that a—is that a valid
0: way of? I think that doing things? I think that's really helpful, Peter. Any any mechanism that means that you can observe with compassion but not absorb is really helpful. I think that we sometimes subconsciously hold the experiences that we've witnessed without realizing. So having a ritual such as washing one's hands, just as we wash our hands between patients for sanitary reasons, to actually metaphorically use it as a metaphor and maybe wash w- water down our arms as well and wash our energy field off, uh, can actually help clear that uh, sort of sort of stuff that otherwise we may subconsciously um, carry. And the danger of not having a mechanism is that we can actually carry this hurt. And one of two things happens. Either we become overwhelmed uh, and that causes our own problems and uh, and we end up either throwing that at somebody else or they say that uh, under pressure, the yang invades another country or drinks alcohol, the yin uh, goes shopping or eats chocolate. So the four mechanisms that we use are projection, blot out, distraction or comfort behavior. So we either use a dysfunctional coping mechanism or we actually become a bit hardened. Uh, and we can come across as uncaring. We are caring, but we have to have a, our own protective mechanism. And so that's, that's what can, can happen. Now, the other thing that is quite useful to remember as sensitive people, as, as empathic people is that sensitivity is fantastic. But not only do we not have to absorb things, we can observe them, but we need a little bit of protection when stuff is coming towards us. So most Highly sensitive people, if somebody is angry with them, can tell you where they feel it. They feel it in their head, in their face, in their throat, in their chest, in their abdomens, somewhere. And so, if you invite them to construct around them, in the same way as, as using an umbrella in the rain or a raincoat, just to construct around them a, a golden bubble or a, a shield that goes around them in front behind sides above and below and the golden bubble that a lot of people find helpful is a um, is one that keeps you completely safe from other people's negative weather weather it allows the positive through it allows anything that's good for you through it keeps the other stuff out and so anything coming towards you whether it's anger or frustration will now slide past this golden bubble and go again to an energetic compost heap to be sorted out. And so you can have a golden bubble which works at a thousand percent, which is self-cleansing, um, and which is non-stick and works the highest good for however long it's meant to. And that's quite interesting. I've worked with with youngsters certainly, but with a lot of adults, and the inner child in the adult really understands this and is very grateful for a mechanism so that they can even more use their skill set of empathy and sensitivity without it being a vulnerability. So it's making it a safe skill set to allow oneself to be open all the time, but open, but protected as it were.
1: Well, you've now given us a, a second visual metaphor that our listeners can carry with, with them. And we'll, uh, I, I'm now imagining people going around with these golden bubbles around them. Uh, I, and yet somehow letting other people's feelings in, but only when it's helpful. I don't know what you think about this as a rule of thumb, but if people are thinking, is this a useful thought to have? Is this helpful? What I'm feeling? Uh, if they say to themselves, what difference is it making? Can it, can it achieve anything? Then that's quite a useful, uh, sieve. So a lot of us will, we need to be able to empathise with other people, to understand their situation and to help them. So then it's useful. But then if the moment is past, and we're revisiting it, and going round it in an unhelpful way, when we can't make a difference, then that becomes destructive. Do you find that
0: I think that's uh, I think that's extremely helpful, Peter. A, a very nice way of of looking at things. So yes, and and thank you for the the comments upon the the message. And um, there is a, a book that's free on the web on www.healthandself.care, and we've put in that a whole section on uh, empathy and sensitivity, pages sixty-seven through to um, sixty-nine or seventy. And so. Um, if if anybody wants to follow up what we've spoken about and look at it further and uh, and see how to be safe and still and understand empathy further that's on healthandself.care and who are the authors of this excellent manual <laughs> uh, well i have to confess i compiled it but uh, <laughs> there's about six, about six or seven of us who who put it together and it's it's an attempt to share Share material and common sense, Peter, that we've learnt over a lifetime of working and we just wish we'd learnt at the start. Absolutely. Uh, And it, and it seems to resonate with, with most people. So.
1: Absolutely. And I, I've read it and it resonates with me as well. It's an, it's an excellent book. I thoroughly recommend it. Um, and I think you're right. You know, most of us get to an age and we think, why on earth have we been spending so much time and energy doing this unproductive stuff when there were these simple tips that would have, have helped us um, it's a little bit like uh, not having a power tool and spending your whole life uh, screwing screws with a, a hand screwdriver where, because you didn't know about the power tool that was available that would make it easier. So um, I, I hope I hope these metaphors are, are passing on some tips to our, our readers and our listeners.
0: Absolutely. Well, it reminds me of ladders and tribes, Peter. So the problem with ladders for most of us in society is we're spending an awful lot of effort climbing up the rungs of the ladder. And it is very frustrating when you get near the top and you realise it's no longer up the right wall. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we all had that experience. And then there's the tribe, and there's the tragic tribe of, 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 of pygmies uh, called the Where, the Where on Earth Are We tribe, uh, and they spend all day uh, they, they're th- they one one meter tall and the vegetation is one meter 50 deep uh you can tell i'm trying to appeal to our younger listeners because actually you and i do feet and inches don't we but uh, the, the six-year-old child in all of us is, is listening <laughs> attentively so uh, and they spend all day running around in small circles saying where on earth are we 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 and what one actually has to do is find a stepladder or find something to sort of look up and say, oh, that's where we're meant to be going. Uh, Otherwise, we run around in small circles, and sometimes those are ever-decreasing small circles, and we exhaust ourselves. And uh, that, I believe, is the oozolum
1: bird that, uh, again, some some listeners might have heard of that goes in ever-decreasing circles until it disappears up its own backside. Indeed.
0: Indeed. Thank you very much. I think we'll uh, move on at that point. Um, Well... That's been a fascinating discussion um, and uh, allowed us to talk about an aspect of being that really is one of the key things that makes us human. Uh, that ability to connect, that ability to feel and that ability to understand. I say human. I, I mean, mammals are highly organised social creatures and and David Attenborough's wonderful um, Perfect Planet and, and other programmes have shown us how Many mammals and, and insects and others are social creatures and work together. But I think as, as humans, we have the unique ability to understand it and to think about it and to conceptualise and to, and to relish and to enjoy that at a level that um, maybe not all mammals have. Maybe I'm being dismissive and consciousness, consciousness, which is there throughout the universe, is working in multiple different fascinating ways. Well, let's at least use our our human ability
1: to to imagine things in our mind, to carry around with us uh, the sinks and the compost bins and the golden bubbles to help us deal with our emotions. Thank you
0: very much indeed, Andrew. (laughs) Thanks, Peter. That's great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrew Tricider and Dr. Peter Bagshaw. The show was created by
1: David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.